The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Woo! We're doing Superman! Cable slide! 1800 feet long! You're cruising! There's no brakes! You gotta come to the Creation Museum and do the Superman cable slide! This is Creation! Oh my goodness! Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your hosts affirm the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Well, thanks for joining us here at the Creation Museum at Answers in Genesis. Uh, we are joined by author, speaker, apologist, and pastor of Grace Family Baptist Church, Dr. Bodie Bauckham. Dr. Bauckham, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. All right. You obviously are a sought-out <laughs> speaker. You love Everybody loves hearing you talk. We love when you come to Pensacola and don't even announce it so nobody can come see you because <laughs> the church can't hold the number of people that would come. You just gave a talk to the pastors really going through expository apologetics. And in apologetics today, we have some people saying, hey, set the Word of God over here and just try to yeah. defend the faith. Can you kind of, uh, for those that weren't here, explain what you were talking about there? Yeah, it's just kind of a phrase that I've coined. Um, essentially, it's, it's presuppositional apologetics. Um, but what I wanted to emphasize was that we use the scripture in our apologetic. Uh, the fact of the matter is we've been told to always be ready to give an answer. Right. And so people have questions uh, about what it is we believe, about why we believe it, and we're supposed to be ready to give an answer. Um, well, what we believe is in the scripture. Right. Um, so I don't have to give an answer for things that are not in the scripture. I don't have to give an answer for things that I don't believe. Um, that's going to limit the number of questions that people can ask me. And because of that, because it's in the scriptures, they're going to be asking me questions about things that people under the inspiration of the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit have already defined and defended. So their answers are going to be better than mine. So everything you need. Absolutely. It's right there. It's just right there. And um, so it's not that we necessarily have to memorize it all, but we just have to be familiar. Um, and, but that's what being a disciple is all about anyway, right? Yeah. And so we just do it in a way that's more purposeful so that we can engage people. And um, as you said, you know, the idea for a lot of people is, you know, we have to put the Bible down. Right. People don't believe the Bible, so you can't use it. And, you know, one of the reasons that I use this phrase, expository apologetics, is to sort of go attack that head on, this idea that we put the Bible away. <laughs> because once we do that, we've actually conceded. We've actually said... You're right. There is something more authoritative than the Bible. Let me do that. You know, <laughs> use it, yeah. yeah. Let me use that. Yeah, there is something I believe in more than the Bible. You know, let me use that. Um, and of course, you, whatever it is that they're arguing for, um, at, at bottom, oftentimes, uh, if it's if it's anything reasonable, if it's anything like you know um, respect for people, the dignity of people, and you know so on and so forth, all these sort of things, uh, those things in their purest form come from Scripture. So, so why are we going to put down the Bible when they're arguing for something that's biblical as well? Amen. Why not show them that the best of what they're arguing for is actually manifested in the scriptures? Um, so that's kind of what that Do you feel about. like that's the most powerful way to argue? Is, oh, I mean, not only is it biblical, but it's the most powerful? Absolutely. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. So it is. It is the most powerful in the sense that, you know, the, the, the contents of it um, are, you know, spirit-empowered, you know, God-given content. Yeah. 
but also in the sense that we're saying something to people about what it is that we believe. And we're demonstrating the relevance of what we believe when we do this. Mm. And so if somebody's saying something to me um, about you know, whatever the issues are of our day, about abortion or you know, gay marriage or whatever, if they say something to me about this, and I go to you know, everything else out there in the world, you know, social science and politics and everything else, um, it, it's not the same as me giving a cogent, biblical, and winsome argument and demonstrating to them that all the things that they're trying to uphold uh, are actually upheld in Scripture and that they're upheld much better in Scripture. The other thing is it gets me to the gospel. And, and that's, that's where, yeah, wow. that's where, that's where we want to go. If I convince you of my, you know, a position on any particular issue, but we don't get to the gospel, I mean, what have I done? You've lost. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because, and you mentioned this because the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormon is going to the same place as the atheist, were they not to accept who Jesus really is? Right. Mm. Exactly. Um, also adding a resonant voice. That helps a lot. I'm just sitting here going, I agree with whatever you say. This is, I love that. You got the same thing going the British guy. Going yeah, for. yeah, 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 awesome. accent. accent. We, uh, we, have, we live in an age that just says, well, information is constantly available to me on my phone, on the Internet. Why learn things? And you talked about classical education and rejection of it. I love what you said. Could you share a little bit more about that importance of that? Yeah. But, you know, the idea there being that there's a difference between information and knowledge. And there's a difference between us knowing things and us owning things. And, you know, just because I can go to some information, um, that, that doesn't mean that, that I believe it. In fact, it means I probably don't. What I believe is the source that I'm going to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we don't like to memorize things anymore. And what I alluded to is the fact that in classical education, you know, we, we used to understand this, that there's a grammar phase and then a logic phase and then a rhetoric phase. And we used to call it grammar school. Yeah. Uh, what, happens to, yeah what happens during the grammar phase? You memorize things. You, you recite things. You know, over and over. Yeah. You make that part two of times two is four. Two times three is six. Two to three. And you sit together as a class, and yeah. you know, and you say I your think ABCs. I Common Core is doing that. You know, no, are they? No. But you know, we've gotten away from that because we don't like the idea of rote memorization, um, because rote memorization actually it puts you under the authority mm -hmm. of those who've come before you, and what we want to do is we want children to come to learning in a more organic way where they feel like it's their idea. And so it used to be you walked in class and the teacher said, here are the rules. There will be no this, no that, no that, da 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 da. All right? And then here the consequences. And Eric ignored all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nowadays. There's a few new rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nowadays you come in and what they do is they say, well, you know, class, what are some rules you think we ought to have? Wow. And the, the thinking being, if they come up with them, they'll be more likely to obey them. So, again, we're removing the concept of authority. Wow. And so the idea of rote memorization, we think it's inauthentic, we think it's passe. Um, as a result of that, we, we just don't know a lot as far as doctrine and theology. And so it's okay to memorize the truth of the Bible. It's, that's acceptable and that's a good thing is what you're saying. 
Your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And you used that, you were pointing out to the pastors, the reason you guys actually do uh, the, the, the catechisms, the, the actual memorization. Yeah. Uh, you would tell, if you were talking to pastors that weren't here, could you address that real briefly? Because that's something that, that several pastors had questions about. And yeah. I'm sure the pastors that weren't here would like yeah. to know about that too. We talked about the importance of creeds, confessions, and catechisms. Confessions, yeah. yeah. And creeds, confessions, and catechism um, have been understood throughout church history as essential tools. Um, essential tools to unite us as believers, essential tools to distinguish us uh, from, from people who are not believers, not um, and essential tools for the assimilation of, of new believers. And so when people come to faith, they need to be discipled. And you know, we talk about discipleship and we usually think, well, okay, they need to have the assurance of their salvation, uh, they need to learn how to have a quiet time, they need to learn how to witness, and they need to find their spiritual gift. And poof, you've been discipled, you know. <laughs> Good luck. Here yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Go. Now, how do we get you to volunteer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and we don't know anything. There's so much information to know. Paul talks to Timothy about that pattern of sound words. I love that phrase, you know. Um, and so the idea of creeds, confessions, and catechism are about learning that pattern of sound words. Now your next talk that you're going to give to the pastors, you're actually going into Christ being the center of your exposition as you teach. Yes. Can you give an overview again for those that aren't going to be able to be here, <laughs> not going to be able to watch it? Give you know, a quick glimpse of that. It's interesting. You know, Jesus on the road to Emmaus. I love this scene. Um, there are a number of times in the Bible. There are, there are a number of of lines in the Bible that just they just floor me. Um, you know, one is when, when in Genesis when Genesis 3 and God shows up and Adam runs and hides behind a tree, which is hilarious. <laughs> Here comes God. Let's go run behind the tree, you know. Can you see me? Um, but God says, where are you? And he goes, I, I heard you and I was scared because I'm naked. And that next line, God basically goes, who told you you were naked? Because <laughs> you know? he's been naked his whole life, you know. Uh, that's one of the, And the other line is, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he's been a prevented uh, from from understanding or, or knowing who he is, and they're talking to him about ha what happened, and one of them says, "So you're the only man in Jerusalem that doesn't, doesn't know, know what's happened here," <laughs> and he's actually the only one who does <laughs> yeah. know what's oh, happened. Oh, come on! You know? Come on! Yeah, and so. and you know he 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 begins with Moses and the prophets, mm. and he interprets in the Old Testament the things concerning himself. And so Jesus taught Jesus from the Old Testament. Wow. So, so should we. He, he is the interpretive key to the, the entire way. Bible. You the know? whole thing. Absolutely, the whole thing. When, when you have Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading Isaiah. That's, yeah. And starting with that scripture, he preached Christ <laughs> from Isaiah. You know? um, and so we, we, we preach the gospel. We don't just preach stories. Um, we don't just preach morals. We preach the gospel. We preach Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to talk about, you know, how, how do you do that? And specifically, how do you do that in Old Testament narrative? And since we're here at Answers in Genesis, we're going to do it from Genesis. Amen. Nice. Yeah. So that no matter good. where you're at in your teaching, get to Christ. Get to, yeah. Amen. Get to Christ. That's yeah. good stuff. I love that. Man. As Spurgeon would say, take, you know, you, you, you take your text 
and then make a beeline for the cross. <laughs> I love yeah. them. That's good stuff. Right. One of my favorite Genesis, I, I just got it, is Melchizedek because he's before Abraham and he's bringing bread and wine just like Jesus did. Yeah. It's, it's, it's throughout the book of yeah. Genesis. Yeah. And, and it's the gospel for the whole world. Yeah. Even before the covenant of Abraham, that's right. here's Melchizedek. That's right. Um, so that's one of my favorites. So I'm Amen. looking forward to that talk. Amen. I can't wait. And you heard the preview. Yeah. So <laughs> this is good stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Bauckham, he is going to be doing a new book. It's called Expositional Apologetics. Expository Apologetics. Ex I'm sorry, Expository yep. Apologetics, the phrase that he coined, coming out this spring. But if you want something now, and I think I do, <laughs> Joseph and the Gospel of Many Colors yeah. is something that wow. people can get now. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. You guys got to go check My out pleasure. his website, by the way, Voting Bauckham Ministries. Please check that out as well. You're going to hear some great teaching. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Ben and I have the privilege of being at the Answers for Pastors conference here at Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum, and sitting down with us is author, writer, researcher, Bodie Hodge. He's the author of over a dozen books and uh, really is a smart guy. Believe it or not, his looks are deceiving. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. Thanks, Bodie, th yeah, thank you for yeah, joining us. For being uh, that was us. a good intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yesterday in your keynote, um, you talked to the pastors mm -hmm. About dinosaurs? I thought you were supposed to talk to little kids about dinosaurs. Well, you know what? I like to talk to the kids about dinosaurs, but you know what? Pastors need that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I found. You know, I grew up in church, went to Sunday schools, youth programs, and we never ever talked about dinosaurs. That was a struggling point for me for many years. So when I actually got answers about uh, dinosaurs, I got excited about it. And here's what I find: these pastors get excited about it too. Like, wow, the the Bible does uh, touch on dinosaurs. It does talk about uh, things like dragons there in the Old Testament. Uh, and you know what? They get excited about it too, and they want to share it with their congregations. So, so what did you say to the pastors yeah. about dinosaurs? Not all of it, because we don't. No, have that's true. Yeah, yeah, just. Uh, well, you know, they can always buy the DVD. It is recorded. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for yeah. those of you that have missed it, yes, this is. I had somebody ask me that on Facebook or on Twitter. Yeah. It is. They are recording yeah. this, and it will be available on yeah. DVD. Well, this or one's already out, year. actually. This is oh, a dragon's true. dinosaurs in the Bible. Okay. Uh, but you know, it's exciting just to go back and say, okay, let's start with the Bible. Let the Bible be the authority by by which we look at dinosaurs. And so you go back. Hey, what day were dinosaurs created? Well, they were created on day six because they're land animals by definition, and land animals were made on day six. So there you have it. And uh, we just kind of followed through from there, going through the flood, going. 
uh, all the way up to them dying out. Yeah, and there really is a good, they fit into the Bible. We don't have to worry about, oh, Satan is deceiving everybody with these. They really do fit. Now, what we don't want to do, and you know, this is what a lot of Christians do. They take the world's ideas about dinosaurs and they come and they try to fit that into the Bible. You know, we step back, do it a little bit different. We use the Bible to explain dinosaurs. We don't want to take the world's baggage, you know, the millions of years and things like that, and try to force fit that in the Bible. Let's step back fresh, let the Bible uh, just dictate on how we should look at dinosaurs. That brings up a brand new book that you've written called Confounding the Critics, which I am already finding fascinating because (laughs) this is different than most books that answer questions. Can you tell us why this book is different? (laughs) Well, this book is totally different, actually. In fact, it's an easy to read book. Most people can follow that. So, you know, in that type of style, yeah, a lot of people I think would really appreciate it. Uh, Where this is different, there's a lot of books that talk about, say, the theory uh, behind, uh, you know, answering questions, you know, like uh, uh, presuppositional methods and things like that. You know, might you think of Dr. Greg Bonson or uh, Dr. Jason Lyle, people like that. You know, they've got books like Always Ready or um, The Ultimate Proof of Creation. That gives you the theory. And then there's books that give you answers, like the Answers book series here at Answers in Genesis. Of course, we got a teen one. Uh, right. We got some for kids as well. We got the How Do We Know the Bible's True series, which answers some of those top questions. Now, it's one thing to have the theory, read the theory. It's another thing uh, to have the answers to the questions. It's another to actually go put it in practice, mm-hmm. uh, where the rubber actually meets the road. That's what this book does. This takes actual emails, actual correspondence, actual things people have sent to us, sometimes very hostile. and. Uh, <laughs> No. And, uh, yeah, no. Believe it or not, we get hostile correspondence. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of people watching may have said, well, how do I deal with these Facebook comments or newspaper right. articles where people attack God in the Bible? What this does, this takes those, it breaks them down, shows you how to respond. And these are actual questions that uh, pretty hostile people in many cases have sent to us. So. This is the book I've always wanted to write, so I'm glad you did it because <laughs> I hate writing. So this is perfect. All right. Bodhi, thank you for doing this. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about, uh, you wrote in the Answers for Teens, which is a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on something that I'm passionate about, which is purity. And uh, a lot of people that follow our show know that I'm passionate about purity. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. We do conferences for that. Um, but one of the things that I feel people see is a disconnect. Well, Ben, you, you're on creation and you do purity. What, what, you're all <laughs> over the place. And yet, I believe that it is foundational to purity. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about what you wrote for teens regarding in that answer? Well, I tell you what, I, I get a lot of questions. He has to ask the toughest one in the whole. You know, <laughs> I deal with atheists and skeptics. Those are easy. Now you talk about purity. purity. To, but you know what? That, that is one of those questions. And I used to work with the youth, um, and I'd have kids come up and say, you know, how close to that line can I get before right. it's a sin? And I'd say, no, how pure can you be until you get married? Yeah. But what I found, a lot of kids, they don't know what the Bible says on the subject. Mm. And it's a tough subject for parents to talk to the kids about. It is a tough subject for, say, youth pastors or pastors to talk to the kids about. Let's face it, we all get nervous when we start talking about uh, sexuality and teens. But you know what? Kids are being drilled with it. I mean, it's on billboards. It's on movies. You walk into a a, a shop, you'd be surprised, uh, you know, what they do with cardboard nowadays with some of those models and things. It's just crazy. So kids are being drilled with it. They want to know. What we decided to do is let's put a chapter out there. It's done tastefully. It goes back, says, hey, here's what the Bible says. you know, and, and why? And, uh, you know, it turned out to be a powerful resource. I've had youth leaders, I've had parents come to me and say, thank you for writing this. Right. We're using this as an outline to take the kids through this uh, to explain what the Bible says. I've had kids come up and say, thank you for writing this. I've always wanted to know. They're all excited and they, wow. they, they, they get excited. But, but, you know, then we have those kids that come up and say, you know, I wish somebody would have wrote this a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. Because they didn't know and they wanted to know. And that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons and we try to answer those questions. I strongly believe that the foundation for purity 
is the fact that we're a creation of God. That's right. So while I may have this desire, it was for a very specific place. So purity begins right. at creation. That's right. And you know, in a perfect world, we would have all done it right. Yeah. But the problem is we're in a sin, cursed, and broken world. Mm -hmm. And now we see not only broken relationships, we see broken uh, models and modes of sexuality. I mean, it's, it, it's you know, we, people are out there lusting over, over things and uh, sometimes the wrong things. Right. And uh, you know, it's good to get back to the Bible. Let the Bible be that ultimate authority, that ultimate foundation by which uh, we look at the issues of sexuality. And you know what? A lot of teens, they've just not been brought up in that, especially in today's culture. Mm -hmm. So it's good for us to get them into the Word of God to get those answers. Thanks for writing that chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I guarantee you this, uh, parents and, and kids watching, if you don't learn the truth, you will accept the lie. And so getting these and understanding this mm -hmm. truth that you're talking about, Bodhi, is critically important to people's future. Yeah critically important. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you do the work you guys do here. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. So if you're not currently following Bodhi, you got to get in touch uh, with Bodhi on Facebook and at Answers in Genesis, get his resources that he's done. Uh, it's been, it's, it's amazing how much you've accomplished. And I'm get the newest away. book oh. that Eric wish he would have written <sighs> or doesn't have to write now. I, guess I don't have to write. Say. Well, I've always thought, I'm going, you know what? <laughs> I, we could just take our Facebook comments and the responses <laughs> and all those back and forth that right there and okay that's we've what got it, is, it. Yeah. we've got it <laughs> awesome yep. man i'm so glad you did that thank you yeah buddy. you bet not a problem guys thanks do you find yourself jumping from site to site or wading through thousands of search results to find answers about god's word and his creation well, no more. SearchCreation.org brings the top creation and apologetic websites together into one search engine while ignoring the thousands of sites that push lies and half-truths. So if you have questions about molecular chemistry, deep space, dinosaurs, or how to defend your faith in a godless world, visit us at SearchCreation.org. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash creation today. Welcome to the Pastors Conference here at Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum. We're joined by Dr. Georgia Purdom. She is a researcher, writer, speaker, and of many other things, a descendant of Eve. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, you got a chance to talk to the ladies today, and you spoke to them on Eve's legacy. And can you, I'm, I was kind of curious mm -hmm. by the talk. I'm not a woman, so I couldn't be there, unfortunately. <laughs> so can you, can you tell sure. us about that? What do you mean by well, Eve's legacy? one of the things that I want women to understand, you know, when we think about Eve, we think about her as being the bad girl of the Bible, right? Because of what she, she did. She messed it all right. up. Right, she messed right. it up. And so, um, so we think about that. But what I want, wanted the women to see was that she really had two legacies. She did have one of sin and despair because through her actions and then the actions of Adam, you know, sin, death, suffering entered this world, but that she also had one of salvation and hope mm -hmm. because it was through her seed, Jesus Christ would come. And you know, that's given to us in Genesis 3.15, right after Adam and Eve sin, God's cursing the serpent and he tells of a redeemer, right? That verse is sometimes called the, the proto-evangel, right? It's the first oh. time in scripture we hear of the solution to the problem of sin. And so that's what I wanted the women to know is that, you know, 
yes, she did something wrong, but yes, there is the opportunity to do something right and to have that seed come. And so I talk about that in relationship to the, our own legacies that we want to leave as women. I mean, do we want to leave one of sin and despair by not following God like Eve did originally by not listening to her, his words, by not obeying him? Or do we want to leave one of salvation and hope by training and raising our children and helping those around us to know about the hope in Jesus Christ? So that's what I hope they can apply that to their lives. Well, that's a very encouraging message for them. Mm -hmm. then. All right, we want another question. <laughs> Who's better, men or women? <laughs> okay, not, not really. You are in a field that is predominantly men. You're True. a researcher. You're in the field. You're doing mm -hmm. stuff. But mm -hmm. so it is well, fascinating. Yeah, but obviously, I always say that's an evolutionary question mm -hmm. because evolution is always about <laughs> becoming better. It's the the progression of species, and I believe a biblical. I believe. Men are better at being men, mm -hmm. and women are better at being women than men are. And uh, I think that a biblical perspective is God had a design for each. Right, right. What does it mean to you to be biblically feminine? Well, I think it's important, you know, what, what you were saying there is that God designed us uniquely to bear His image uniquely in this world. I mean, when He created... Eve, it was because, it's not because Adam was lonely, but because it was not good for him to be alone. And so it was in, not good in the sense of it wasn't complete. Okay, not that it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't complete. And so he created Eve and she was to be a complement to him. She was to be a helper comparable to him. She bears his image. She bears the image of God. Um, but, and so she is, has equal value before God, so to speak. But Nonetheless, she's a compliment. She's different. She's unique. And the world, like you say, from the evolutionary worldview, they want everybody to be the same, right? They, yeah. they don't want there to be any Equality differences, right? Equality in everything, in roles, in even physically sometimes. They want everything like to be the same. But I say that's not biblical because right. God designed us uniquely to bear the image uniquely. And one of the ways that women do that, I think, is in our, our mothering sort of instincts, whether it's our own children or other children or taking care of other people people. Um, you know, God, we see that in God, right? He, he's compared to um, keep uh, keeping the, the chicks, you know, under yeah, his under wings, wings, you know, yes. right? And so, and that's what women are really good at doing that, sort of that nurturing side or aspect of God or character of God. So I think that's just one of the many ways, and we should not want to be the same. You know, mm -hmm. God is, has a plan and a purpose for us being women and for men being men, and we need to, we need to celebrate that, and we need to, and we need to follow that. Now, you have a talk coming up that you're also going to give specifically to the women on dealing with really pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. How, I'm kind of curious. Um, what you're going to say. Can you give us a glimpse mm -hmm. of what you're going to be talking about? Well, there? the main thing I want to focus on for that is having a correct biblical understanding of why there's death and suffering in the world. Mm -hmm. Because really, I think for me, that was something that I struggled with. Even though I grew up in a Christian home, I was asking a lot of the questions that um, even a lot of non-Christians are asking. Well, how can you have a loving God in death and suffering? Why did my mom have to die when I was relatively young? You know, so we struggle with those questions. And for me, having that correct biblical understanding of Yes, it's because of Adam's sin. It's because of my choice in Adam. It is fair. I mean, this is what happens as a result. This is the punishment for sin. But knowing that only hope can come through Christ. It can't come through what the atheists and the evolutionists say. There is no hope in that, right? But there is hope in Jesus Christ and that that death and suffering will someday cease and that we can live with him eternally. I think for pastor's wives <laughs> especially, mm -hmm. they see way more than the normal person sees when it comes right. to that aspect. 
aspect. Right. So I want them to have that correct understanding because like I say, we you can grow up in the church all your life, you can be around Christians all your life and still not really have that good understanding. And and also, you know, the idea that God is God and, and he's sovereign and he's in control and he knows exactly what he's doing. And so really um, latching on to those promises and understanding that. And that is awesome. Well, now we know how to deal with suffering. And if you're not following Dr. Georgia on her Facebook page, she puts up interesting things all the time. I love the video that you did with the salt on the, oh, the yeah. different frequencies. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, you're involved in so much stuff. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> that was you? That, with the that salt? Was that was, well, I didn't actually didn't do, do it, it. but I linked it. Oh, you put it? Yeah. Oh, she okay. could have done it, though, if yeah. she wanted to. I, we need to do that on the we show We do sometime. need to do that on the cool. show sometime. Well, make sure you follow Dr. Georgia uh, in, in her Facebook. and on, She does lots of writing, lots of research, and her speaking to her uh, as she goes around the country. Dr. Georgia, thank you for taking time thank with us today. We Good appreciate to be it. here. Thank you for watching the Creation Today show. Learn more at creationtoday.org. Do you need the tools to defend your faith? Visit our websites for up-to-date content. Attend one of our live events and shop online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.